I guarantee you, if you have children in Bible school, you will not get that song out of your head for at least a month, maybe two months at the outside. It is an incredible opportunity to see four or 500 students in here celebrating and praising God and singing to songs like that, beach balls flying everywhere. You've got to see it to believe it and be a part of it. If you want to help us out, we'd love you to do that. A lot of other ministries involved. I listened to that, and I thought that is the perfect segue into my message this morning when you look at the title, Unconditional, Incredible Love of God. Every song we just sang this morning ties into what we're going to share. VBS coming up in a couple of weeks. There are a lot of ways that you can help out with that. Need a lot of help for summer Sunday school. If you can help, we would deeply appreciate that. A ton of other information in your bulletin. Read it carefully. Car cruise this week. Read it so you won't miss out on anything. We were at Alliance Council a couple of weeks ago, which is a gathering of pastors and missionaries and lay people from around the world at Orlando, Florida, which is where the Life Conference is going to be with high schoolers, about 5,500 of them landing there in a few weeks for what we call in the CNMA the Life Conference. When I came back, I had the opportunity to listen to Pastor Keith's message from last Sunday morning. And so I was sitting in my office, catching up on all the emails, listened to it, and I got to that one little part where all of a sudden he said, if you no longer want to support what God is doing here at Community Alliance Church, you have my absolute permission to leave and no longer come back to Community Alliance Church. So from the depth of my soul, I want to say to you this morning, thanks for coming back. <laughs> Thank you for coming back. Never want to take that for granted. But when I heard him say that he released all of you to find another church, I am so glad you came back this morning. If you didn't hear the message, you got to listen to it because it was on community and it was exceptional. There was an ad in the newspaper from a little boy who lost his dog, and the ad read something like this. Lost one little brown dog with some mange, limps, blind eye, and missing a part of his ear. Answers to the name Lucky. And I thought, lucky? And then I realized, if a dog with mange, limps, a blind eye, and an ear bit off has a boy who loves him that much that he's willing to pay a reward to get him back because he's lost, that little dog is really what? Lucky. And then I thought about you and I. Now, we may not be in his condition but if we're really, really honest, there are some things about us that aren't perfect. Matter of fact, some of us may have been in that condition. And the God of the universe loved us so much, knowing that we were lost, sent his one and only son to this earth to die on the cross of Calvary so that you and I can be found. And so when I thought about that, I thought that kind of God is a God I want to preach on. That is a God I want to serve. That is a God I want to declare. That is a God that I want to share. Scripture in Romans says, even while we were still sinners, far away from God with all the issues beyond even what I described in that little dog this morning, the God of the universe loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us, even when we were still walking away from God. Not when we were close, not when we were sitting in church, not when we had already accepted Jesus as our Savior, when we were walking away from God, spitting in his face. The God of the universe loved us so much, knowing where we were, that we were lost, sent his one and only son 
so that we could have life and be found in him. There's nothing you can't do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Do you get that? There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. His love in your sermon knows is unconditional, impartial, infinite, everlasting, and perfect. Now that's opposite sometimes as to how the world views us. Because sometimes people look at us through all of our flaws, through our past, through what they think we ought to be. And what I love about God is that he never looks at us that way. Most of the world may view us on performance. He doesn't. And if we're really honest, sometimes when we think of God's unbelievable love for us, we wonder if he looks at us that way. And I'm here to tell you this morning, he doesn't. God's love for you and I is unconditional, incredible, overwhelming, and free. Today and next Sunday morning and the following Sunday, we're going to look at some various aspects of God's nature, his love, and his glory. I have sermon notes in your bulletin this morning. I want you to take them out. They look a little like this, but the print's not quite that big. The four things that I want to share with you this morning aren't overwhelming. They're things that you may already know, but there is so much scripture that I want to share with you this morning. I felt I wanted to make sure you had it in your sermon notes because I'll spend some time preparing it and delivering it. You're now processing it, and I want you to really understand what I'm sharing with you this morning so that you can take it and embrace it and even more important, share it on. Next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about things that keep us from seeing God clearly and how to rearrange that and change that. And finally, in the third part of this, how to develop a deeper walk with God, developing intimacy with God. This morning, four things I want to share with you about God's love. One is God delights in me. God delights in me. Now, some see God as far away and distant. Bette Midler did a song years ago, Out There Somewhere. She was wrong, as she is in a lot of things, but wrong in that one. God is not out there somewhere winding the world up, hoping it just keeps on going, and at some point knows it's going to unwind and end. We have a God who delights in us, a God who's interested in us, a God who cares about us. As a God who sees us with all of our issues and all of our flaws, like a mom or a dad who loves their child no matter what. On one occasion, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Now, anybody who asked him those kinds of questions, you knew if you read Scripture long enough to know they have a reason behind that. They're trying to trick him up. Now, they knew about the ten great commandments that God had given Moses, but the Jewish nation had added hundreds of more beyond that. So now they're coming to the Messiah, and they say, okay, out of all of those commandments, which ones are the greatest? And he sums it up this way. I'll tell you which one is the greatest. That you would love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, what's intriguing about that is that this awesome, holy God says the greatest thing I want is for my people to love me that way. This incredible, awesome, overwhelming God, he says the greatest thing that I want is for my children to love me that way. Isaiah said, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so God rejoices over you. You've heard me say a dozen other times before that I love watching people in weddings and the response of everybody to everything they're seeing. But one of my greatest is not only seeing that bride before everyone else does, but watching that door open up or other place that it may be 
And all of a sudden, this groom sees that bride for the first time, knowing as she comes down that aisle, she's going to be his forever and ever. And I'm telling you, I've seen some of these guys that I thought was going to faint, that I thought was going to fall over, and I've seen some of them light up like a Christmas tree. TJ, I still remember the look on your face when you saw Jen come down that aisle. And I say to every family, look, I know you're going to look back there because you want to see her as well. You've got 33 seconds to do that. One, to see this boy's face. And every time I think of verses like this and every time I think of those occasions, I hear that in my head as the bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so God rejoices over you and me. In the book of Zephaniah in your sermon notes, chapter 3, verse 17, we've got an incredible picture of the love of God. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. You've heard that before. He will take delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The word delight also means rejoice. The psalmist said, for the Lord delights in his people, so let the saints rejoice in that honor. Look at those two aspects of that. When you and I were singing this morning, all the songs we sang declared what we're about to preach. And we were singing to God. We were saying to him, I love you. No matter what happens, I'll follow you. I can't believe that one day you rescued me and I got saved. And I just want to shout that from the mountaintops. You see the other aspect of this section of scripture that I just read? While you and I are doing that, the God of the universe is singing over you. There's my child. There's my girl. There's my boy. They, they love me. They're singing to me. And I'm singing over them. The God of the universe is singing over you this morning while you were singing to him. Is that incredible or what? The Living Bible said because of what God has done, because of what Christ has done, we become gifts to God that he delights in. When you turn your life over to Christ and you invite Jesus into your life, Jesus offers you to God as the gift he's always wanted. Now think back at the last Christmas or birthday you may have celebrated as a family. And all of a sudden that person that was being celebrated and especially in a birthday setting, or maybe you wait for the next person to open their gifts and you watch them open a Christmas gift. And then they say a phrase like this, just what I've always wanted. And you wonder, do they really mean that? And sometimes if you're a dad, you look at that ugly tie, you're just trying to say, I really am going to wear this. And you know you'll never see that tie again. Somehow the dog will have eaten it up. You've heard that phrase. Maybe you've said that phrase. And you really didn't mean it. I'm just telling you, when Jesus, when you came to faith in Christ, and you accepted Jesus as your Savior, Jesus offered you to God as a gift he's always wanted. I wanted you to come into the kingdom. I wanted you to be my daughter. I wanted you to be my child. I couldn't wait for that day. When you accepted me as Savior and Jesus presented your name to me and I realized now that one who was lost came into the kingdom. I, I've waited for that moment. You're exactly what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for you to come into the kingdom. I've been waiting for you to be in my family. He delights in us. More than anything else, he was waiting for you to get saved that day. Loves you like no one else could. Second thing about this is that God understands me. Now, that's where it gets fascinating. The God of the universe loves me that much. It's incredible. 
the God of the universe loves me even while he understands me? He knows me that well. He knows all my stuff, all my junk, all my past, all my issues, all my idiosyncrasies. The God of the universe knows me and understands me that well and still loves me this much. It's unbelievable. Sometimes you got to let that sink in. Do you see, it's, it's one thing to know that somebody delights in you and somebody's aware of you, but it's another thing to know that the God of the universe does that. It's one thing to delight in somebody when you don't know much about them. It's a lot easier at times. Charlie Brown said one time, you know I love mankind as people I can't stand. You ever meet someone, they have a nice smile and they seem pleasant, and you think, I'd really like to get to know them a little bit better. And so you start having a relationship or getting to know them a little bit, and all of a sudden those idiosyncrasies come out and those little temperament issues, and you find yourself saying, they were a lot more pleasant when I didn't know them so well. (laughs) I'd love to know who you're thinking about right now. But God knows all about us and still delights in us. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to flow through Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. I'm going to wrap up in verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 first. The Word of God, the Bible that you have in your hands, the Bible that you have in front of you somewhere, the Bible that you read when you're home, the Bible that you're reading from on your iPad or iPhone, the Word of God, that is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Word came and made His dwelling among us. So Jesus, the Word of God, they tie in together. The Word of God is alive and active. It is not a history book. It is just not something we study of days gone by. The Word of God written 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago in some cases in the Old Testament, is still alive, still active, still makes sense, still relative, still allowable. Sharper than any two-edged sword, it penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit. God not only knows your mind, he knows your very soul. And the word of God deepens that, opens you up, lets him see you and I. Down to the joints and the marrow inside the bone. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Is that scary or what? That the God of the universe, the word of God that you and I share, you and I read, that you and I have in our hands opens us up all the way down to the very thoughts and attitudes of our heart, down to the marrow of our bone. Nothing in all of creation, verse 13, is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, I don't know about you, when you hear that phrase, when you look at that concept, you're finding yourself sitting there, you've got to be kidding. The God of the universe knows me that well And at some point in life, I'm going to give an account for every single thing? Yes. When you stop at verse 16 or verse 13, you find yourself saying, unreal. God knows everything. I mean, everything about you, (laughs) everything about me. Some of you may be thinking, I'm not sure if anyone knows that much about me. And now you're pointing out that God does, and I wonder if I measure up. I wonder what he thinks when he knows everything about me. If we're not careful, sometimes we see God as a parent. We'll talk about that a little bit more next Sunday morning on Father's Day. 
and wondering if he really still loves me, knowing all my stuff. But got to go on. Verse 14. Therefore, now, in light of what I just said, that the Word of God opens us up like nothing else does, sees every aspect of our being deep down in the depths of our soul, knows every thought we've ever had. I mean, even that person that you were thinking of a moment ago who wasn't as pleasant once you met them, he knows who you were thinking about. That thought that you had this morning when you were arguing with your mate on the way in and then somebody asked you how you're doing, you said, we're great. <laughs> when you were yelling at your kids on the way in, just hoping they come clothed and on time in church, and then somebody says, how's the family? Awesome. He knows every single thought, <laughs> every single thought we have. Every single thought we have. In light of all of that, I got a great high priest who ascended to heaven. Jesus is the son of God. And I want to hold firmly to the faith that I profess. For I've got a high priest who's able to empathize with my weakness. We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. We've got one who's been tempted in every single way just like us, yet he never sinned. The word sympathize or sympathize with our weakness means Jesus has a fellow feeling with us. We got a Jesus who knows everything we go through. We got a Jesus who knows what it's like to be betrayed. You shared your life with a friend. You shared your soul with a friend, and they used that against you. You shared your past with someone, and they used that against you. You have a friend who said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm with you forever. I'm right beside you. I'll walk with you every situation. And then they didn't. You have a Jesus who knows what that's like. You have a Jesus who knows what that feels like. You have a God who understands what it's like to lose someone you so love. You have a Jesus who understands that some of the things we're asked to do aren't that easy. God, I know you and I have talked about this since before the history of humanity, that I was to go to the cross, but can I ask you a question? Is there possibly another way? You have a Jesus who understands when you have those questions about God. It's not like all of a sudden God's surprised. How could you dare ask that question? Not like a God who's surprised. In light of all of that, we have a, a God who understands us, who felt every single feeling we've ever felt. Who knows what it's like to have the one that you prayed for Priest to shared with, loved on in every single way you possibly could. And then they died and never embraced the Jesus that you loved. And the ache in your soul is overwhelming. He understands that every split second of every day. We have a God who walks beside us, who experiences what we experience, who sees the same things, who feels the same things. Like a great marriage or a great friendship where you almost finish each other's sentences. You know exactly how it feels. You know what it feels like to know that somebody understands me and all of those kind of things. So in light of all of that, verse 16, then I'm going to come to him. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. 
God knows everything about me, but that's okay because I know he wants what's best for me. You see, there's one picture you get in your head when you know someone knows everything about you and you're not sure if they're going to use it against you. And another entirely different picture when you know someone knows everything about you so they can help you. Years ago, shortly after becoming the pastor of this church, I went to a seminar in one of the largest churches in the nation. And they were talking about pastors finding somebody in their life where they could just unload all of their stuff, feel so unbelievably comfortable around them that that one or two or three people in their life would know everything about them. The majority of the guys that took that risk lost their job and lost their church. So I found myself saying, who do I share that stuff with? Who do I find in my life that I know will keep that? Now, in God's incredible sovereignty and grace, I have found that. But we have a God who knows everything about us and will never use it against us, but knows everything about us and wants to do everything he can to help us. Psalm 103 is the Father has compassion on the children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. He knows how frail we are. As a father has compassion on his children, as a picture of a father so in love with his children, so loving over his children that he will do anything to help them out. Whether your kids are 3 or 13 or 33, you know that feeling. Of course, we know what God did. It says in Psalm 18, it gives us an incredible picture of the God of the universe who rescues. It says he parted the heavens and came down. He parted the heavens and came down. He reached from on high and took hold of me. One translation says he stoops down. He opened the doors of heaven and looked down and wanted to catch me right in the eye. Is this a little bit too close? I'm sorry. <laughs> wanted to catch me right now. I wanted to look me straight in the eye. The God of the universe did that. Parted heaven so he could come down and have a face-to-face -face conversation with me. That's exactly what he's saying here. The God of the universe loves you so much, he parted heaven so he could come down and be into our lives. Third thing, he loves us unconditionally. Those of you who are moms and dads, you remember that first day you held that little one in your hands? For some of you, it's pretty recent. For me, it was a long time ago. I am so old that when Aaron was born, my wife had a C-section and the doctor didn't allow me to hold her for six days. Two years later, Rachel was born. I got to hold her right away. Same doctor, same hospital. I don't know what changed. Very, very seldom, but every once in a while, things change in the story of humanity. Like now, sugar's not good for us. Yesterday, it was good for us, I think. I'm just glad that coffee's still good for us. <laughs> I heard somebody say the other day there was a study in Europe where they found 25 cups a day is okay. <laughs> And some of you hear me preach fast wonder how many of you had this morning? I've only had three. He loves me unconditionally. And God, at one point, laid that little girl in my hands. And two years later, another little girl in my hands. And I was so overwhelmed in love with them. And then I thought for a moment, <laughs> they're going to mess all over me. They're going to throw up on me. They're going to keep me up all night. They're going to scream for food. And no matter what they ask for, I'm going to give it to them. Why? My daughter. They're your son. 
And you know all of that. You know that's going to happen. You know what they're going to do, which is exactly the way God sees us and loves us in spite of all of that. Not because we're lovely. We still make messes. Sometimes quite often, but God loves me unconditionally because I'm his son, his daughter. And nothing, absolutely nothing can change that. I love the Living Bible translation of a number of verses. I want to read one for you. It's in your sermon notes this morning out of Romans chapter 8. I am absolutely convinced, Paul says, that nothing, I mean nothing, can separate us from his love. Death can't, light can't, the angels won't. The powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow. No matter where we are, high above the sky in the deepest ocean, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how bad life has been, what's happened in your life, what's going on right now, how uncertain times are, how uncertain the world is, how uncertain the future is, nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God. The Apostle John knew about God's unconditional love, and he said it this way, this is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. We love now because he first loved us. And when you look at the love of God, you've got to put aside everything you've ever done, all the good things you've ever done, all the bad things you've ever done, and recognize none of that matters. Some will say, well, you have no idea what I did. You're right, he does, and he still loves you. No strings attached. There are times when we mess up. Every once in a while, we mess up. God still loves us. We have nothing to offer him, but he loves us anyway. And his incredible ability to come around our life and make up all the difference is overwhelming. He offers me more than my mind can conceive. In your sermon notes, there's a quote that I found years and years ago. To each hurting and lost person, offer them this of my extravagance. I offer each lost one more sky than he can see, more seas than he can sail, more sun that he can bear to watch, more stars they can scale, more breath they can breathe, more yield they can sow, more grace than they can comprehend, more love that they will ever know. Final thing about God's love, he loves me personally. Of all the things that I love about God, this is one of the things I love the most. I've often wondered what it was like for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to have God come and have a conversation with them personally. And then I realized he does it with me every day. Does it with me through his word, does it with me through his spirit. He talks to me, I have regular conversations with God. You and I all have regular conversations with God just the way he did with Adam and Eve. He loves me enough to want to have a conversation with me personally one-on-one. Somebody said to me after the first service, you're talking about six billion people in the world. Yep. <laughs> And God knows exactly what you just now thought. He knows exactly what I just said. He knows exactly what I didn't say. He knows exactly what I think. It's incredible. But the same God of the universe had a conversation with Adam and Eve. Delights in being able to have those kind of conversations with me. It's wonderful to know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That when we receive him as Savior, we have life and life eternal. I love that. But I love the fact that God so loved me. And so loved you. God so loved the world? Absolutely. God so loved you and you and you? Absolutely. 
I really believe that if I were the only one here lost in the world, God would have sent his son to die for me. The cross of Jesus Christ gives us the greatest sense of God's personal love. God didn't simply die for mankind or a mass of humanity. I love how Paul says it written on my wife's arm. Galatians 2.20, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. That's not being exclusive or making myself look better than I ought to look. What Paul is saying almost with his eyes wide open, I can't believe that Christ died for me. I get why he died for them. I get how he died for them. I, I understand why he died for them. Christ died for me. It's incredible. Do you remember playing, for those of you who are parents, remember playing hide and seek? Maybe you still do this with your kids. You know, you tell them to go hide somewhere. And then you'd count, and then you'd say, ready or not, here I come. When my girls were little, one of my favorite aspects of that, number one, my counting was always so fast. You know, they get to 1 to 12 real fast. And then I would ask them out loud, Aaron, Rach, where are you? And they would tell me. <laughs> I love that. You know, when they were little, they would, I, where are you? Rach, where are you? Behind the couch. <laughs> Aaron, where are you? In the cupboard. In the closet. You know why? They wanted to be found. They didn't want to be lost. If we're not careful, we play the same game with God. We so desperately want him to find us, but we're so fearful of what he finds when he finds us. That if we're not careful, we'll play the same game with God, but we won't tell him where we're at. That's why you and I need to be reminded every once in a while of God's unbelievable, unconditional, incredible love. That he finds us where we're at. And whatever he finds, he loves. He knows us intimately. He understands everything about us. He delights in us. He loves us personally. It's incredible. A number of months ago, we had a part of our worship experience on a Sunday morning where we had people put names on those crosses over there if people were praying would find Jesus. And then over here, we have names on a card of people that we want to celebrate who have found Jesus. If you have one of those names on that cross, or you've been praying for somebody that they would find Jesus, what in God's incredible grace you have been given this morning by him, not by me, is the answer to what they're looking for. So share with them what I just shared with you this morning. Because everything they're afraid of, everything they may be worried about, everything they wonder about, everything they're uncertain about is answered in everything we just shared in the Word of God. And all I did is just give you a few pieces, an opportunity for you to say, hey, I know what I have found in Christ. Let me share with you. We'll do everything we can to encourage you, to equip you, to help you. But you and I each have a responsibility of doing everything we can to make sure those that we're praying for, those that we want to see come find Jesus so that we can move that over there, as Rachel prayed this morning, is up to us, all of us. Not me, all of us. And what God in his grace did this morning is give you all kinds of information you can possibly have to share with them in a very simple way what you have found in Christ. So my encouragement to you is take it. Take it with you. Share it with them. Pray over them. Help them understand 
what you have found in Christ. Because if you get everything that we just shared this morning, you've got to be overwhelmed with that kind of love that God has for you and I. I want to close with Paul's prayer. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. He, in those first couple of chapters, shared everything I just shared with you, extrapolated it out in some wonderful ways. He wants you to fully understand that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, formed, handmade by God, meticulously formed by him. He said, I, I, matter of fact, I come to a point, Paul says, where I literally fall on my knees and I pray you understand this. I pray that the father of the great family of God, some who are already in heaven, some down here on earth, that out of his glorious unlimited resources will give you the mighty inner strengthening of his Holy Spirit. And I really do pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts every single day, more and more at home in your hearts, living in you, living within you as you trust in him. And may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And I pray that somehow you're able to feel and understand, not just understand but feel, and not just feel but understand, as all of God's children should, how long and wide and deep and how high the love of God really is. And to experience that love for yourself, not just talk about it, sing about it, but really experience that love for yourself. It's so great that you'll never, ever see the end of it and fully get it and fully comprehend it, but I pray that you get all of that and it so fills you up with God himself that when it does, you're not going to want to keep to yourself, but you're going to want to share it. So Father, we join Paul and we pray that every day of our lives, every moment of every day, we'll fully get a glimpse of who we are in you and what it is you've done for us and how delighted we are to be able to understand fully who I really am.